As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to You in HD, your identity in higher definition with Pastor Eric Miller. Join us in our journey of faith in God by taking an in-depth look into the Bible's authority and sufficiency to guide us in our Christian walk. Discover your identity in Jesus Christ today. How you doing? This is Reverend Eric. Uh, as we're making our way through uh, Mark chapter 2, uh, I want to finish out uh, verse, uh, verse what happened at the house, the house where all heck has broken loose. Jesus confronted two folks, those that were waiting for him, that received the good news. He prayed they received that, received that good news. Those four friends plus the paralytic who's, who went home justified because of their faith and their love in Christ and the rebuke of the Pharisees in their hearts, mind you. Nothing was voiced. It was in their hearts. And they spoke after the fact. They were astounded. As they say in verse 12, immediately he got up picked up the mat, and he went out in front of everyone. As a result, watch this, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. It's a pretty, that's a pretty good welcoming truth that they received the message of Christ. They believed that Christ sent by God, they believed he was the Messiah, and they gave glory to God just as Christ has done many, many times. But that's some good news. That is some great, great news compared to today where it seems people are more confused about who Christ is more than anything else. I can tell you there's not a day that goes by that I'm not confronted with the fact that I have self-professed Christians who don't even believe in their Bible. Don't even believe in their Bible, but say they believe in Christ, who is the very Bible himself. These, these four friends believed. I can only assume that paralytic believed. 
And they went home justified. So you have to ask the question of the people that disbelieve in Christ. They disbelieve that the Bible is true. Well, then none of their faith is any. It can, can be validated. Without the very belief that what is being preached to you is the truth, there's no hope. There's no hope. Over and over and over again, we look to the scriptures for hope. We look for it for strength. We look for it for rebuke. We look for it for life-giving strength and life that it gives. Over and over, the Bible teaches us that this word of God is good. Let's take a look at let's look at some Bible. Let's take a look at the, the, the importance of the Bible. Without it, these, could you imagine these four friends? What would they have to go on if they was not written about and preached about by the scribes? If it wasn't, wasn't foundationed in, the, in, the, in, in, in their thinking by good biblical teaching. I'm not saying the scribes didn't believe in Christ, but when he showed up, the confrontation happened. What they really believed and what they wanted to ascertain on their own merit. That was the conflict that was going on. And that was really the only conflict going on with the Pharisees against Christ. They didn't want to give up their works righteousness. They wanted to earn it on their own merits. So you can say that they, yeah, they, 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 on the surface they look like they believed. But truthfully, they didn't have no belief. That means that their whole faith was not based on hope that the Messiah would come. It was based on works righteousness. What were they, what were they studying and were they preaching what they were believing? No, no they, they couldn't have. The attack against Christ wouldn't have been so deep. Wouldn't have been terrible. Let's look at, let's take a look at the, let's look at the obvious stuff. Look at 2 Timothy 2.15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. That in itself should give us an indicator we need to be studying. We need to believe what has been written. We need to believe what the hope that we have in the scripture matches that which is the Holy Spirit's going to reiterate in us. He will do it. He's not going to direct us to existentialism. He's not going to go to the woods and just look at the mountains and, and get one with nature and you will somehow transcend and, and just believe in God. No. No. Believe what is written. Believe what is written. The love of God and the scriptures, there's no war between the two. There's no separation between the two. To love God is to love his word. To trust God is to trust his word. There is no separation. There is no such. I, I have people that tell me straight to my face. I know God has blessed me. How do you know? Do you believe in your Bible? No, I don't even own one. Well, how do you know God looks after you? Because look at all the blessings I got. I got a house. I got a car. I got a nice spouse. 
even non-believers have that and God blessed them too. What makes you different? I hear crickets after that. Yes, brothers and sisters, even a Satan worshiper has a job. He's against God. He's an enemy of God. He hates God. God still provides. That would pipe that, that will slap anybody in the face. But if we did if we don't understand Christ, we'll never understand why that's allowed to happen. Why is it an atheist can wake up and take breath, the very same air that a believer in Christ gets to take? If you don't understand Christ, you're not gonna understand that answer. We gotta look at John 3:16 a little different. Better, though, than what we have been preaching. It's a nice, beautiful thing to speak to someone. But if you don't understand the ramifications, if you don't understand God's mercy and his grace, that that scripture means uh, you have no means of how it make, makes sense to you. Sounds cute, but there, there's, there's nothing you can hang your hat on unless you understand that the very reason that an atheist can draw breath, the same breath that a Christian can, is because God has holding out hope in Christ that that man will repent. There's still time for that man to turn away from his sins and put all of his trust in Christ. That Satan worshiper, same thing applies. When God says all flesh to repent, that wasn't a small population. That wasn't just for a small few to understand. All, everyone, ever, that can speak with his, even if you're mute and deaf, the call is spiritual. All flesh to repent. Not a few, not some maybes, all flesh to repent. Not just Jews. Not just all not not just Jews and Gentiles. Atheists, you've been called to repent. Satan worshipers, you've been called to repent. Bigots on the black, white, Hispanic side doesn't matter. If you think your race is more important, you've been called to repent. Those that think they do good works, you've been called to repent. Those that think their religion can save, you've been called to repent. Everyone needs to understand God has called all flesh to repent. Luke 3, 6, and all people will see God's salvation. You'll see it one way or another. You're either going to be a part of it or you're going to be under it. You couldn't go through the scriptures without understanding these basic principles. You cannot progress through the Bible unless you understand this principle. There are Christians to this day right now that do not believe in repentance. They don't even believe in sin. 
I had a conversation just the other night. Don't you believe? I had a young lady tell me, don't you believe that we all have a touch of God in us? No, we don't. Well, we was created in his image. If I create a pot or I create a statue that looks just like me, it isn't me. It may look like me, but it isn't me. We were created in God's image. We were created by the creator. Perfect. We had no blemishes. There was no sin in us. We were a perfect creature. It's about as blank slate as you can get. And I don't mean ignorant. I mean blank slate. There was nothing wrong with us. Just as there's nothing ever wrong with God. The difference is we can fall. He cannot. God cannot lie. God cannot commit sin. God cannot commit anything against his holy character. God will not violate his holiness for anybody's sake. God is holy. God demands holiness. If you ever want to understand how much that demand, how powerful it is, the Ten Commandments is that exact understanding. Be holy because I'm holy. Well, God, I can't. I look at your laws and I cannot do them. That's part of the repentance process. When the full weight of that law hits you, that's part of the call. That's called the humbling process. Can you imagine? Even those that disbelieve in God, they too have been confronted with this. And they have chosen ignorance. They have chosen to suppress it within themselves to try to find another way to calm their spirit. There is no calming for them. There is no reprieve, but the fact that Christ is still doing work today and they're not in hell today. If they're drawing breath, God has given them the same mercy as he's given us. The difference is we can preach to them. They can be reached. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If they've been called. How do you know if they've been called? They will, they'll respond. John 10. My sheep shall know my, shall know my voice. They will respond. It may not be in your lifetime when you preach that word to them and drop that seed in them. But they will respond. It it doesn't change the fact that everybody has gotten that same call. That same call has been revealed from heaven and it will never be rescinded. God has said to all flesh. You have fallen short. From heaven itself has declared that against all flesh. Look at look at Romans chapter one, verse 18 for the wrath for God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. He's revealed everything. He revealed himself. How do we know that? Well, since look at verse 19 in first Romans in Romans chapter one says what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. God has shown the evil inside men day after day. All you got to do is tell what is the latest thing that we've seen? That that horrendous of evil display that happened in Las Vegas. Another evil display. God didn't make that, but it's evident to your eyes. It's evident. How can a man do that? What is his motivation? Evil is his motivation. Sin is his driving force. Did that man have God in him? Clearly not. And then we go back asking questions. What happened? And what's the timeline? And what? What? How, how long ago did he do it? And what was the ending result? Did he have a happy life? They had to go find his girlfriend to find out what did she know. Did she know anything about the situation? Did she have some insight on just how bad the situation was? What was his mental state like? What was he thinking about when you left, before you left to the Philippines or wherever she was from? What did you see? Did you notice anything? Any warning signs? Did you have any idea? Did he take medicine? Did he go to a doctor? What happened to him? The man was a sinner. No different than us. The man was a sinner. No different than us. There ain't enough explanations you can put together for a man to be evil. Plain and simple. Evil. Don't you realize that is the basic understanding that every human being comes to terms with that has accepted Jesus Christ, that inherently they understand and recognize that we're all evil. We all know we've fallen short to the glory of God and there's no hope that is in us that can rectify and justify ourselves no matter how much good works we try to do. It can't clean us off. It doesn't get us clean, brothers and sisters. Don't you know these those four men that carried that leper knew that? The leper, I'm sorry, carried the paralytic man. He, They knew that. The leper knew that. Those four friends knew that. The paralytic knew that. I'm sure the scribes knew that. They just wanted to suppress it. Jesus had to confront them in their hearts because they were already trying to suppress it. He's not God. Yes, he is God. Just as they rejected God, 
So does everybody that when they hear that call, they get nervous. They get nervous. And as that paralytic picked up his mat and walked away, he walked away justified. Sins forgiven. We know he did. Christ just said so. All authority has been given on earth on earth to forgive sins. Paralytic got up. He told him, get up, pick up your mat and go home. You're going home justified, son. Had to be pronounced evil first in order to be justified. Sins need to be forgiven as you are what? You've already been under the guilt. You've already been weighed. We're sitting here looking at situations that, well, there's a little bit of good left in us. There's nothing good left in us. Why else would Christ be here? Why else is the call still being out? Why else is Christianity still under heavy attack? No one wants to, they don't want to, no one wants to be confronted with the fact that God has revealed all of their ungodliness in front of us. We are the only penicillin left in the world. That's it. It's us. Me and you, brothers and sisters, if the gospel isn't spread by us and it isn't believed by us, there's no hope left for anybody. If we don't even believe what we're reading, there's no hope left in us. We got to go to the Lord. We can pick this up in verse 13. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Then Jesus went outside beside the sea. So he just left the house. He left that house. The roof gone still. Paralytic on his way home. Justified. Can you imagine what his friends were feeling like? They were touching him and hugging him. And you, Can you just imagine their, they went home with their hearts in peace with God? That's something amazing. That had to be a walk home like they would never forget. And they too spread the gospel. They had to. That man walked back. That man left his house with some friends as help. Walked back in, walked back into his home with Christ's help. And forever walked again. And never stopped walking. Spreading that gospel. How do I know that? Because he had faith. And he trusted in Christ. He trusted in the scriptures. And he was rewarded. Their faith was rewarded. As is ours. So Jesus continues the ministry. Now he calls Matthew. Then Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him and he taught them. Taught them what? Here he is again teaching the gospel. The good news. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand and God is willing to forgive sins. Willing. His hand is out. Grace is out. Grace is in Christ. It's out. They're hearing it and receiving it. Then moving on, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So he got up and followed him. Left the tax office. Matthew left the tax office. Got up. Closed the door, probably. I don't know if there was a, if there was a, you know, I'm not trying to be funny, but I don't know if there was a gone home sign, but he left. Never returned. He recognized too who the Messiah was. He too believed. 
How though? How did he believe? Well, did Jesus Christ say anything to Matthew that we can understand? Well, we know that here's what we do know. His name was being spread around through Galilee. His name was spread in Capernaum. So he knew when he saw who this Christ is, when he saw Jesus coming, the, the, the name is already said enough. His reputation was preceding him already. It's about time Christ came up. He said, Matthew, come on. Follow me. Didn't I just talk about that from John 10? Didn't we just talk about that from John 10? John 10 verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. What did Matthew do? He followed him. Because he heard the call. He said, follow me. So he got up and followed. Have you heard the call? Let's be honest. Have you heard the call? Wherever you were, for me it was March 3rd, 2012. I heard the call. Do you remember where you were when you heard the call? Follow me. Follow me. Did you fall to your knees in reverence and fear? I did. Was the when God's presence came upon you, did you fall apart? I did. Did you repent of your sins when you saw when you was in the presence of God? I did. I ain't no different than you. My nature is no different than you. Somebody tell me, well, Eric, you know the Bible better. No, I don't. I'm no different than you. My passion for God is no different from you. So what would be the only difference? I constantly ask and beg God to help me with my unbelief. I stick so close to him because I'm scared not to. Let me tell you something about Eric Miller. I have no more confidence in myself. I have no more faith that I can do everything on my own power. Not even a little bit. I have zero faith in my own reasoning skills if I don't bump it up against the word of God. I have no no hope in me outside of Christ. Everything that I do, I do in dependence to God because I no longer believe and I truthfully believe this in my spirit. There is no more ambition in me. There's no more confidence in myself. I have no faith in myself. It is only in Christ Jesus and only in his word do I believe. All of my value and dignity lies in him and how he sees me. Nothing of myself. It is the only way I know how to live now. The minute I start thinking, this is me, this is my confidence, and look what I can pull off, I run from myself back to the mountain that is God. I flee. You ain't kidding. I flee. I don't want nothing to do with it. If you're a great, I don't want a compliment. Keep it to yourself. Because I'm not going to take it. I'm going to run. There's a, there's, a, there's a problem that I think we run into as modern Christians. Is, is Our worship is designed is inward. We're always directed back toward ourselves. No, no. It needs to go vertical. It needs to go up. Not to ourselves. Never horizontal. It always needs to go up. For me to think... That somehow I can do this on my own. What Jesus did for me is no longer, is, it was useless to me. If I think there's anything I can do in my strength, God is useless to me. 
And let me tell you something. There are a lot of modern Christians that truly believe in their strength. They can make it happen. There's a song made by Pharrell, which is probably the most disgusting song I've heard, but it's more apt to what the modern Christian believes. The song is very simple. He says, I do believe in miracles, but I don't believe in waiting for them. He says, you got to make things happen. That man is a fool. That man is about as hell-bound as I could ever imagine. If he truly believes that, and you can say, well, Eric, it's just a song. Don't take it serious. How many people agree with what I just said? How many people agree with that fool? Yeah, they believe in miracles, but we got to make it happen. You can't make nothing happen except more problems. You, how do you know? Look at your life. You want to say you want to call yourself a success? Look at your life. If you're hearing this broadcast, you've already hit rock bottom once. And God has pulled you out. God has been telling you to rely on his strength. Rely on his might. Rely on his view on you. Rely on his blessings. Rely on his love. Not of yourself. Some of us have never ever felt what it was like to be walking in the strength of Christ because we're still trying to figure out how to do it for ourselves. Those four men and that paralytic, they already knew they couldn't do it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. They knew they couldn't do it of themselves, and they trusted in it. They knew they, they were broken people. You don't go to Christ at full power. You go when you are broke. All you have in your hand is pieces. Filthy rags. Hoping that the doctor can put you back together. When I was making, uh, when I was going to work, I recorded a small, uh, Sermon, I wanted to add on to the beginning of this, but I think I'm going to put it at the end because I want you to just see where I was going. It hit me like a ton that when mortality 
hit us. It hits us, and I like to say like a, like a car wreck. It hits us in such a manner, we, we barely know how to control ourselves from the, from the, from the, and the backlash that happens in our emotions and our life. As they say, our life passes before us. You start to become, to come face to face with your, that you're nothing but dust. Let's read verse, let's keep reading, and you'll see where I'm going about going to the doctor. That everybody hates. People want to die, self-diagnose themselves and come up with their own solution of what's wrong with them. I'm alright, I just may have a runny nose. I've had a fever for, I don't know, three years, but I'm alright. I'm just tired, I've been working too hard. Maybe that's everyone has a self-diagnosis. Everyone believes in their own strength. But to go to Christ, to even to hear his voice, is when you have surrendered. When you realize you have clawed your way as far as you can and you're drowning. You're in that hole and light is leaving. It's the beginning. That's the beginning for us. For those that are in Christ at the beginning. For the self-righteous, they'll lie and say that that hole ain't black. They're not drowning, they're swimming. They just, they just went out too far. I'm not in debt. I just haven't made enough money yet. My marriage is alright. Let me just go ahead and work one more day. And then I'll go ahead and spend time with her tomorrow. Always an excuse that you never want to accept to yourself. Watch this. self Righteousness. Jesus Christ is a, this is Phil Johnson said this, Jesus Christ is a closed door to the self-righteous. I guess in this week, as I'm speaking on this, the more and more I think of it, and the more I look at the theology based on it, I am very much a Calvinist. A five-point Calvinist. I do believe that there's no strength in men. I do believe that all men have total depraved minds. I too submit myself to the authority of Scripture. I too that know that I can be saved only by grace. I can be justified only by my faith in Christ. That I believe the atonement is in the hands of God and God alone. Not in men. As we keep reading verse 15, while he was reclining at the table of Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also guests. <laughs> Notice the separation, tax collectors and sinners. That seems pretty, like, what's the difference? The tax collectors, collectors were looked at so badly. They were the worst of the bunch. They're how most people look at lawyers in a lot of cases. They were the worst. They were, the tax collectors were literally collecting taxes for the Roman Empire and they were taxing their own people. Can you imagine ta well, we're America, yes you can taxing the heck out of the poor. It's exactly what rich can pay the tax. The poor couldn't, but they had to or guess what? Tax collectors had strong arms. They had guys that went out and had to go get that money. That tax collector accepted the job that he would collect the taxes for Rome and his head was on that block. He had to get them taxes. They were the worst of the worst from what, what, how the Jews looked at them, how the Pharisees looked at them, how society looked at them. They were the worst of the worst. 
were taken from their own people, leaving them destitute, hungry, businesses shut down, leaving them penniless. So it's interesting that they separated, you know, Mark separated tax collectors and sinners. Or maybe he was just, maybe the sinner, maybe he separated from, so he wanted the sinners to be the everybody else. Rapists, murderers, thieves, debtors, uh, adulterers, kidnappers, the sick, all of them. Maybe all of them. All lumped up in that one. But tax collectors were separated. And sinners were also guests with Jesus and his disciples. Because there were many who were following him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, not Christ, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And I believe they probably said it just like that. Not boldly, not feeling strong in their, in the, in, in, in their, in their denouncement of Christ. Just, hey, why is he eating? Like, like he's like he's the, like the scribes are one of them. Like, hey, you're a boy. Hey, why is he eating with tax collectors and sinners? Why? What's he doing? What are you doing eating with with these wretches? That's what it should have been said, right? Why are you eating with these losers? Why are you eating with these hell bound people? Why are you eat? Why are you eat? Why is he eating with these people who have no hope in God? God has refused them, rebuked them, and cast them off. They are the nothings of society. They are worthless and they are useless. Why on earth is this man who's the Messiah, who's supposed to be king, eating with these has-beens, have-nots, and losers? Because scribes would never do that. Pharisees would never step foot in a sinner's home. Wouldn't even bother. If that sinner didn't go to the synagogue, that sinner was, was out. He was done. What are you eating with these people for? Who, why are you eating with them? These has-beens. Us. You know, he's basically talking about us. These has-beens washed up, sick, twisted, evil people. Why would he soil himself? Why would he soil himself with the wretch of society? Isn't that horrible? Sinners. Look at what the um, what the Bible knowledge commentary says. A technical term for common people regarded by the Pharisees as untaught in the law who did not abide by rigid Pharisaic standards. Woo! What are you doing with these scumbags? These lessers. Not only did they not know the law, they didn't want to know the law. They didn't abide in the law. They were more likely they're also rejectors of the law. Gentiles were inside this, these sinners that Christ was eating with. Pharisees were devoted to the law. They would not sit next to a sinner. They wouldn't sit next to people like me and you and rub elbows. No, they, that it would defile them for us to even touch them. Pharisees interpreted their their belief it to be to so meticulous point they wouldn't can you imagine they probably wouldn't even want to be in our shadow they probably would dive like they dropped an iPhone just to get away from us 
So they had to so recognize Jesus as a Jew. And Jewish people, they didn't want to be around these people. This was the lepers. No physical disease could be seen, but their social status and their spiritual status definitely was understandable and was condemned by the Pharisees. These were the wretches. Why am I concentrating on that? Because watch what Christ says in verse 17. When Jesus heard this, he told them, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick do need one. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now this right here, brothers and sisters, where people can get it twisted and confused. They can look at this spot and say, well, look, 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 look. So that means Jesus is saying right there, right? There are righteous people. So guess what? There are some good deeds and there is a touch of God and we can do good works. But Christ is here to pick up these dregs. He's here to pick up the people that can't do it for themselves. The weak. The sorry. The wretches. The disgusting. The refuse. Those weak-minded people. They cannot do it for themselves. But we are the strong. We can carry the moral standard of God. We can raise the banner. You fool. That is not what Christ is saying. Christ is criticizing them sharply. You can read it this way. I didn't call those who believe that they're righteous. I didn't call you, or you can look at it in a very sarcastic manner. Only in the most righteous sense you have to look at it. No, no. I didn't call the quote-unquote self-righteous. Oh, no, you guys are great. You obviously don't need a Savior. You obviously don't need a Messiah. Isaiah 53 doesn't apply to you. You must be way above the rest. I come to call those who cannot, who cannot get right with God, who know within their souls they cannot be justified by their works. They cannot be justified by their disposition. They're sinners and they know it and they're in desperate need of a Savior. Goes back to the original thing that I said earlier. Those that don't need, I don't need to go to a doctor, I'm just fine. But it's men like me and men and women like you that go to doctors. Because they're not, that, they're not that confident they can lie to themselves anymore. They're not that confident they can look at that boil and look at the pain in their chest or, or question something. And that is God telling you get to something. Pain is a reminder there's a problem. So you, us in Christ, not a stranger, not trying to, we're trying not to keep lying to ourselves anymore. We don't want to be a hypocrite. We don't want to sit there and say, well, I'm fine knowing full well we're hurting. No, no, us begging on our hands and knees crawling to the Savior. I'm sick and I know it. Our mortality, we've been confronted with it the minute we heard the call, follow me. The people that hear that call, sinners, people who are sick, people who rapists, murderers, homosexuals, pedophiles, adulterers, wife beaters, alcoholics, you name it. We know it. We know we're not right. We know we're filthy. We've had thoughts about doing things that are ungodly. We struggle with it daily. We struggle with it in every facet of our day. 
We're on our knees crying in the middle of the, in the middle of a work day, crying ourselves to sleep, saying, "God, please forgive me. I'm a sinner." And then we hear the voice of Christ saying, "Follow me. Follow me." We need a doctor. A doctor that can perform open heart surgery on such a level that it changes every single thing about our character to the deepest portions of our spirit. One of my favorite songs is I Know I've Been Changed. I know I've been changed. Do you know you've been changed? Did you hear the voice of follow me? Have you gone to the good doctor? He prescribed your situation and gave you good news that you too can be healed. The most important person that a person will, even a non-believer, the most important person, even a non-believer, will meet in their life the one person many many people will go out of their way to avoid and this person is by far one of the greatest instruments used by God that can confront men with their mortality and their finality on their life that hits them like a spiritual car wreck is the doctor. Men and women will go out of their way to avoid going to a doctor. Now you can say it, it boils down to health costs and, and co-pays and insurance. I get it. But that's not the reason we don't go to doctors. Because when you get sick, you start looking for help. You start looking for remedies because your mindset when you get sick is always going to fall to mortality. Or let's be plain English, death. You get a cold, no big deal. You take some NyQuil, you take your, over your, your favorite over-the-counter medicine, bam, good to go. Doesn't go away within a month, and you develop a cough. You start develop pain. You start it starts looking. You start searching and frantically looking for online. What could this be? You start asking friends and family. None of them got degrees. None of them been to nursing school, and some have. Even the nurses will tell you. Well, you know, it sounds like a cold, but you might want to go to the ER. You might want to go to the ER. That is a hard conversation to have with someone because they immediately come face to face with a death dealer. That's what they look at doctors at. They look, they go to, every time I go to a doctor, they find something wrong and I'm not asking for it. You know what? But you always get confronted with the truth of the state of your physical body. The state of your physical body is the state of your soul. Sin 
manifest itself not only in a spiritual capacity but also in a mental and emotional capacity and especially to a physical capacity. One of the greatest signs of sin and its and, and, and how it's caused so much dysfunction in the human being is cancer. Plain and simple. When a doctor comes in with the dreaded news of cancer, literally and figuratively life drains from it. Because you understand the mortality of it. You understand that death is now very real and unescapable. And that's where the self-help books start to fail. That's where they cling to these false religions and they start to fail. And when you go to cancer treatment centers, they're always trying to teach you about having positive, some kind of positive theory to make your way through this crisis. You got to get a good support system around you to encourage you to take the, take the treatment. You need some encouragement to get out of bed. Life's not over yet. And if you're blessed, somebody is going to steer you toward God. One of the greatest problems that I think people run into is that uh, many will have, will make the statement to themselves it ain't authentic if I go to God because I'm running to a problem. That makes it look like, because they say, I'm, I'm the hypocrite. I used to tell you why you can't handle it yourself. They may have been the one that says, why y'all got to run to God? That was told to me once by a very close friend of mine. But they might have same token also, you're going to also, they're going to feel guilt for going to God because they're going to be reminded because the conviction that lays on their life is going to is remind them as well. Why did you wait this long to come to God? Why did it take mortality? Why did it take your life to be threatened? Why did it take you to get to this point? Why did you wait? Why did you wait? Why did you wait? Here's the good news. Now, at that time in your life where mortality is hanging in the balance, and let's be straight honest, Everyone will see the grave. But not everybody will see the grave the same way. Some will close their eyes and will be waiting in hell. Others will wake up and see the very face of Christ. Everybody has a death date. That date has been assigned, stamped, and it will be delivered. Everybody will have it. Everybody will receive it. And everybody's going to be, everyone will be able to punch that clock when that time comes. Much like the doctor, which is way more important, but in the secular society, it seems that the doctor can get people's attention to God better than a preacher can because in this society that we live in the preacher either it fills in two areas either he's some kind of motivational speaker and speaking nothing but trash or he's a hellfire and brimstone telling us about a God that as the world has taught us wants to restrict us from having a good time and nothing can be farther from the truth on that latter end God 
no interest in seeing any soul on this earth perish. But in the same token, God loves each one of us so dearly that He will not take away your free will of choice. But what people get upset by is the fact that there are consequences on each end of those, and they don't want that. That's where the rejection of God comes from. They want total autonomy to do whatever they want, however they feel like it, whatever subjective morale that they have. They want all opinions to be valid until the pervasive opinion will be the moral standard, and even that can change at a moment's notice. Subjective morality is what? It's the society choosing what is moral and what's not moral. Well, that happened before. Start in Germany. One man believed he was living up to what society needed. Look at what happened. Any cult member doesn't. It, it, it falls into this area to where we want to trust ourselves and ourselves alone. So that way, if it, we're accountable, we can point a finger at someone, and then that person will be have to saddle the blame. It's important. It's real fun to do that. The problem is, when it comes to God, you can't point the finger at him. Because he's not the reason that we fail. We are. God has stanchly put a mirror in front of us called the Holy Bible. He also, it also came with, perfectly installed, a preacher. To show you the true state of yourself. To show you the true state of what you're looking like. To show you the true state of who you are. And when that doctor comes in there and renders you some bad news. I mean, it's great if he renders you good news, but that's rare that you leave a doctor's office with some good news. It's always, he drops a few pounds, the diet doesn't look great. Those are the examinations that God has been doing for years. He uses preachers, and he's been using his Bible for eons. Paraphrasing eons. Or using the signature. The doctor confronts a secular, fallen, unregenerate man at its core with death. They will avoid the doctor beyond the cost. Is because when the doctor delivers delivers the bad news or delivers news, it is usually followed up with, I don't know how to really treat this. We're going to try this. It is a theory that doesn't have a 100% completion rate. Well, I'm practicing. I'm practicing. Let me consult some other doctors to see if, if they concur with what we're going to do with you. And in that whole time, you're living with uncertainty. Am I living or am I dying? You start thinking about kids and family and did I, what impression will I leave on this world? All those things God wants to confront with you every day. And if you have to use a doctor to do it, God bless him. That's why we need to be praying for doctors, praying for nurses, praying for those that seek health care. Nothing confronts us in secular society so much so that 
the medical field because it pronounces something that God has been saying, you can die and you will die. And there's, a, and there's an uncertainty hanging above your soul. More than ever, we need a Savior. More than ever, we need Christ. More than ever do we need the hope that Christ brings. It's amazing that, um, that we live in a society that will recognize when a tragedy happens. You know, we have these national prayer days. And we have national prayer days when this country goes out of their way to try to eliminate prayer in the first place. They try to say, well, we, want to, we want to send out well wishes, well wishes in national tragedies, but we don't see a private tragedy. We see social injustices, but we don't see no spiritual injustices. Because no matter how tragic this country or we see any event that is cataclysmic or as violent as vicious as from suicide bombings to massacres by gunmen when we see the face of evil they still this world tries to meet it with human good never realizing that human good that evil exists in every human being ever born the only one that never sinned and never had that evil in him was Christ. And with Christ, he lived a righteous life to give to us and died for sins that we should have died for. I don't know any other way to put it besides thank God for that doctor to reach a secular society and they try to ex excommunicate the Christian, the Bible, and the preacher. You have just listened to You in HD, your identity in Jesus Christ with Pastor Eric Miller. This ministry is made possible by your thoughtful prayers and donations. Join us each week as we continue to explore our Christian identity in Jesus Christ. May God richly bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.